All right, what is up, everybody? Joseph here with you, Rad Parenting, hanging out in the room with... Anaya Bogue. We are here. We're hanging. First thing we want to let you guys know is um, today's show is awesome. We had skateboard legend Steve Caballero come in here, and um, I kind of freaked out because I like he was my guy when I was growing up, and to have him come all the way from San Diego to do our show was awesome. We're giving away a signed skateboard. Did you nice. know that? That's yeah. really exciting. Yeah, he signed his skateboard for us. And um, all you got to do is go to our Facebook page, uh, Rad Parenting Show, and you'll see, uh, like our page for sure. Got to do that first. And then you share the episode of Steve Cavallaro, and then we are going to pick someone by, uh, I think it's May 1st, to win the signed skateboard of Steve. So that's pretty rad. It is. Uh, we're, doing, thank everyone. we're doing big things here. We, we, you know what? I got to say, are you a little bit blown away by the response that we've gotten from people? I am. I, re- I really am. I mean, I was just down to do this because I think, you know, I love talking about this stuff. But to have the response we've been getting is is really exciting. I think the thing that has tripped me out the most is the people that, especially with the with Chris's interview, they were like, I'm a Foo Fighters fan, but I came in just to hear about Chris. But now I'm following you guys. Uh, I subscribe to the show, which I want all you guys to subscribe, please. Oh, also, if you subscribe, write a review. We have like almost 15 reviews on iTunes now, and we love that. That gives us more visibility on there. Um, but the main thing is the people that came to check out Chris, and now they're listening to the show and finding out about different ways to parent. Thank you for shipping. There you go. So with Steve Caballero, before we jump into this interview, yeah, um, you could tell right away when he came in. What when I described, he's he's like a little Buddha in a way. It's incredible. I just I, it, there's so much going on in this uh, incredibly small package, but he is like what an extraordinary human being and what an incredible path he's had. And I want to say when you guys listen to this interview, we went around the block in a lot of different topics. I mean, we talked obviously him growing up. And his parenting. Yep. And also he talked about, you know, he's a grandfather now. Um, and also, he, you know, he touched on religion. He, you know, he's, he's found God and he makes that clear. And, and I love how he just does not, you know, he just, I'm going to talk about that right now. Yeah. Well, and, and we look, we want people, this is part of what we say even about parenting is we want to give our kids space to, to become who they are. And it was, uh, you know, definitely interesting for me. Um, but I, I love that he just brings it and, and, you know, you know what you're getting and, and he's a great, he's a great guy. Yeah. And we got to thank him again for being on the show. And you're about to hear a real journey because this guy has gone everywhere and anywhere and also real personal journey that he talks about. Mm -hmm. So this is Steve Caballero on Rad Parenting. Uh, Enjoy it. Let's do it. Rad Parenting. Steve Caballero, our guest, uh, my friend. Um, We've been friends now since I was probably 13, 14 years old. Uh, Anea, I introduced her to your world of skateboarding via my love and friendship of you. I was like, this is my buddy. He's coming up from San Diego. First thing, everyone that's listening to the podcast, this guy drove, like basically he drove from San Diego to Los <laughs> Angeles in traffic, spent how many hours? Over three hours. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. If you live anywhere in this general vicinity, you know <laughs> what a big deal that is. And I, and I told him this right when he got here, I'm like, look, I, I, I respect you. And I feel so bad that happened that I am tomorrow, Friday, <laughs> going to leave LA at say four thirty. I'm going to take the 101, <laughs> not even to visit you, but just to put in four hours. I'm going to park in front of your house and say, hey, man, Dude, are we cool now? Right <laughs> yeah. yeah. So You don't have to do that, Joe. When you reached out to me um, and said, hey, man, I, I, I listen to your podcast. I'd love to be a guest. I right away reached out to Ana and I said, look, this is an individual that uh, has been so inspiring to me okay. my entire life uh, through whether it's skateboarding, mm. music, art. 
I mean, you ride motorcycles. You're always fixing a truck. Uh, I saw a video the other day that when you unloaded, you before you skated uh, a ramp and did a trick, they made a joke because he unloaded his pants. He's like, "Hey, I'm going to take take out what's in my pants," and there was bolts, there was a wallet, <laughs> there was there was art nice. paraphernalia. Like he was just pulling all together. The life the, of Steve. The life of Stevie in his pockets. Love it. So just a just an individual for me that's in, influenced me, and I know the people who are listening to the show, uh, such a huge impact on their lives in so many different ways. So thank you so much for You're coming welcome. up. Um, I'm going to let Anaya lead this one. Because yeah, we want <laughs> to, because you're just going to ask about skateboarding. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just going to start talking about whether it was the Hester series or uh, you know skating Pomona, uh, Upland. I have so many questions there, but we won't go into that because today we're talking about being parents. Yeah, and initially I was sort of like, Okay, I can probably make this connection, you know, the skateboard. And, and it was so easy once I started reading about you. Three kids, right? Yes, correct. Um, and I immediately, and anybody who would read about you, like, skater of the century, according to Thrasher magazine, mm. that's, I mean, that's extraordinary. And I, and Joe knows this about me, I'm so drawn to people who have created extraordinary paths for mm. themselves. And um, I come from, you know, a mindset that is uh, really, to quote Michael Mead, uh, I believe in the inner genius that each and every individual comes to the planet with, if you will. And so I I think as a parent and for the parents listening, one of our big objectives is how do we help our own children to find their extraordinary or to create their own extraordinary path? So I'm really curious as a parent about how you have, I mean, first of all, how did your parents contribute, do you think, to you creating your extraordinary path? Uh, And then I'm going to ask about how you've done it for your kids. (laughs) Okay, well, I think the way that my parents contributed to who I am today is the way they supported me as far as everything that I was into, the passions and stuff. I, I'm, I'm the youngest of five, you know. Um, so I didn't grow up really with my, with my older siblings because they were a lot older than mm-hmm. me. So I kind of I always kind of felt like I was a, the youngest mm-hmm. uh, and like only child. So they spoiled, they spoiled me, you know, whatever I wanted, my dad got me, you know. And um, if I wanted a skateboard, he'd buy me a skateboard. If I wanted a bike, he'd buy me a bike. Um, I think that was his way of showing... Uh, his love towards me and him not being around because he's always working and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they supported me as far as like, they saw that I was into bikes, they bought me a bike. They they saw that I got into skateboarding, they bought me a skateboard. And they saw that when Winchester closed uh, in 1980, uh, I asked my mom, can I, can I build a ramp in my backyard? Wait, and what's she, Winchester? Winchester Skate Park was where Steve and I met. And one of the best skateboard parks at that time that was built. All the parks started closing because um, what these investors saw in the like late 70s all over California as, a, as the next big thing. And mm-hmm. it was really a fad. Um, they lost a lot of money on uh, poor, poor skate parks being built, uh, liability, uh. And, and just not that many people. I remember going to the skateboard park to Winchester or Campbell and being maybe the only person there. Absolutely. Interesting. I'd go there, I'd go there when it was raining. So it's sort of I would like, go to the park when it was raining. Wow. <laughs> I remember just to, it. just to hope it might dry up. But you know what? <laughs> and you know what's so funny? I remember that, and we'd all play missile command. Yep. Remember that? Yeah. I remember we'd all sit in the pro shop. Yeah. And and it was this. It was kind of like the episode that we've done uh, the hangout spot. Uh-huh. You know how you know how we we had this episode that we haven't aired yet where mm-hmm. it was all about 
having an, uh, a, a positive environment for young people to hang out in. And thinking about it now, Anaya, it's similar to the show we talked about. You had these two older guys that ran the park that were um, that were cool. You yeah. know, they weren't like bad dudes. They were super cool. Dan and, and Dave. Dan, Dan and Dave. Nice. And they were very they were very loud and they would call you out on your <laughs> crap if you were a kid that were you know they wouldn't let you skate without your gear on. Only skateboard parks seriously that if you could not skate without a helmet on, you know, they they were very strict with that. And for me as a skater it really taught me like the etiquette. They were very they were in touch with all the kids. Um but like you said if it was raining, you would still have a bunch of kids that had nothing to do, but right. we'd still go there and hope. They had a place. They had a place to hang out which at. Which is yeah. awesome, which I think doesn't exist enough today and is part of the problem. Because, I mean, we're not, as human beings, we're, in, we're inclined to be yeah. part of something. And we'll find it one way or another, even if it ends up being a negative a negative example out in the world. So, so my parents, the way they support it is my, my mom would drive me to the park and drop me off. And sometimes she'd just wait in the parking lot. Until I was finished. So While he, you skated. Okay, but here's yeah. the thing. And I think, you know, Joe and I have talked about this before, too, in terms of like this whole, you know, overscheduling your kids and, you know, how what I heard you say very specifically was they saw I was into bicycles. They bought me a bicycle. They saw I was into skateboarding. They bought me. It sounds like you were taking the lead. So as opposed to I think what a lot of us tend to do as parents is we say, I'm going to put my kid in like six different things that I think would be good and see if anything sticks. Mm-hmm. And, and then we end up overscheduling our kids and the kids are sometimes doing because they want to please us, not necessarily because they want to. And I hear you saying they were sort of watching to see what you were drawn to and then they supported it. Well, I think that that was the case only because they weren't really into much stuff. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I mean, my dad was a golfer. You know, he, right. he loved to play golf, but he never pushed it on me. Like, okay. hey, hey, son, I want to take you golfing. Right. That was kind of his thing. Right. My mom was just a housewife and she didn't have like um, a job outside of that. Right. And her she job didn't have it. And, and her job and was her home. Yeah. So a mother yeah. and, a, and a housewife. Yeah. yeah. Now, when the park closed, your parents continue supporting you because the ramp that you built in your backyard was legendary in San Jose. Yeah. Which I never got to skate. I'm so who, bummed. Who did that? Who paid for that? Who built um, it? A friend a friend of mine that I skated with um, named Norman Poon at Winchester, he was a local there at the skate park. Um, once the park closed, his dad um, helped pay for the wood. And then me and my friends, uh, Gavin and Corey and a couple other guys, um, built the ramp in the backyard. At and what then, age? Um, let's see, it was 1980. So I was like around 15. Yeah, that's yeah, that's 15, impressive. Sixteen, like, and, and Anaya, yeah. just so you know, this isn't like a little ramp. Like, put a piece of plywood on a toolbox, and here we go. This right. is like, <laughs> big. How many? How how many feet? Um, wide? The ramp pretty much took up the whole backyard. I mean, there was no backyard after that. And it how was, high? It was nine feet high, and it was twelve feet oh. wide, and it went from pretty much the fence all the way to the house. So also creating hangout environments, there right? There you go. And there's another hangout. It's moved over to Steve's place. Well, yeah. So, yeah. So a lot, a lot of people would come over and hang out and skate. And, and my, my mom loved it because she knew where I was right. all the time. You yeah. know, so. That goes right um, back to yeah. the creating that environment for your kids to be at. Safe environment where they can be themselves. Well, but you I, still. I'm going to tell you that I'm thinking there's parents out there going, safe is a stretch when we're talking <laughs> about skateboarding yeah. and being on a ramp. 
Um, but I mean, I guess, yeah, at least she was right there if one of you took a tumble and <laughs> broke a leg or something. I love that you just said tumble and skateboarding. I don't think I've ever said <laughs> tumble. Hey, man, did you what take you a say? tumble? You say, you, usually we say you take a slam. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, you know, yeah. I'm showing my limited. Moving forward, though, Steve, and if anyone falls today when you're skating at Encinitas, I want you to say, man, you took a tumble. <laughs> that was a nice tumble you took there. <laughs> that wouldn't Sunny. sound like hardcore. Wait, wait, one more thing I got to throw for the listeners out there that are, you know, skateboard ramps. It was different times with, you know, having that type of responsibility and you know kids skating in your backyard but i do have to ask you this did, did the the kids that came over everyone respected your parents rules i assume of like being um, cool and pretty much i mean we kind of just kind of stayed out of the the house and yeah. just kind of everyone just kind of hung out in the backyard all the time and and yeah i mean obviously if you didn't respect the home i mean you weren't allowed yeah but um you know i even had like little like my dad had printed up these like um liability waivers just like the park we copied the nice. parks one nice <clears throat> you know just because we're it was a new thing so we weren't a, we weren't sure if people would sue us sure. if they if they got hurt so i was just kind of looking out for my mom you know and um so i had everyone sign waivers and stuff for your career at that point though the park closes down it's safe to say that this ramp that your parents supported and let you have in your backyard yeah. would your career maybe have stopped as a skateboarder at that point um, not necessarily because not only were we skate my ramp, <clears throat> me, Gavin and Corey and a bunch of other locals like the Boshes and stuff, um, we would go look for pools, we'd go skate banks, we'd just look for all these street, you know, there was a place called the Scurbs where there was a curb that we'd skate, a red curb. So we not only, you know, skated my ramp, but we went and ventured out and we just try to look for having, you know, fun well, I love everywhere that. we could. And I love that, too, because what I hear you saying, and I think there's a couple of obstacles that you've faced in your life that you've overcome, is I feel like we so frequently as parents want to shelter our kids from failure or from obstacles. And what we end up doing is is preventing them from developing those sort of internal muscles to be able to overcome obstacles. So for you, it was also, I mean, so the skateboard, uh, the skate park. Mm -hmm. right? Winchester. Right closes, you find a way around that. We're still going to find a way to do this because we love doing this. Right. Um, scoliosis, which I know is another thing yeah. um, that, that was an obstacle for you that for some people, I mean, never mind you personally, but a lot of parents would have been like, nope, not doing that. You got scoliosis. Yeah. Um, as opposed to saying like, you find a way around it. Yeah. It was more of like uh, an outer appearance, not, um, more than just kind of physical, like limitation, limitation mm -hmm. for me. Um, you know, it uh, it didn't really affect me as a, as a person. I mean, I would have like pinched nerves every once in a while, like if I lifted something wrong or twisted mm -hmm. a certain way. You know, through skateboarding, I found out what a chiropractor was. Nice. You know, cause <laughs> I never had the back problems until I started doing things that were were, were you know as aggressive as skating. Right. Uh, the one beauty thing that I learned about skating is it really taught you what it was like to fail, because you have to fail to succeed at skating because yeah. the tricks don't just come. You got to learn them and you got to practice them over and over. But what I did find out is <clears throat> if you have a lot of passion and you have a lot of drive, that you can reach these goals by as much effort you put into it. So I learned a lot of life skills just through skateboarding um, that I apply to everything that I do now, right. you know, even with parenting and everything, you know, and so I want to hear about that part. I want to know how, because I think that, you know, all three of us in this room and Joe and I have talked a lot about how we faced adversity in our own childhoods. And we talked recently about um, about chores and, and this sort of thing. And we came to the conclusion that we're really, again, limiting our children. So how 
How have you taken your own extraordinary experience and these life lessons and applied them to your parenting in terms of passing those on to your kids so that they have them too? Well, parenting is a... Um, is a workout. It's a, it's, <laughs> it's a lot of work. It's a lot of balancing your life. Um, and also, you have to be on the same page as your wife. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, there's a struggle there as well because I may want to parent my kids a certain way and she wants to parent them a certain mm-hmm. way. And we're, we're always battling it out. We've been married for 10 years and we still battle that out. Yep. You know, so there's some things that she will do that I, I don't approve of. And there's things that I do that she doesn't approve of. So we have to try to find that balance. That um, makes me feel so much better hearing you say that. Because <laughs> seriously, sometimes uh, Karen and I, it, whether, you know, whether it's, Joe, when you make the point, does it have to be so loud? And I go, it's the only way I'm going to get them to listen to me. And she's like, I don't think we have to yell. And, and we have that, <laughs> you know, because I'm a loud talker guy and she's and Karen's more of a, hey, let's let's let me hear what you have to say. Then I'm going to say some stuff. And then sometimes for me, I'm just like, if we just turn up the volume a little bit, we can get what we need done. So there is that back and forth I between also parenting. Think, I also think that there's the benefit, too, of like each child is going to respond differently to different things. I agree with and that. And so to have like whether that. it's, you know, both of your parents or, you know, other adults or the two guys down at the skate park, you know, different things are going to resonate. And it's good to kind of have the variety, if you, you will. You have to have definitely have to have a variety of uh, parenting skills because I have uh, a six year old daughter and an eight year old son. Mm-hmm. And my eight year old son, the volume doesn't have to turn up. When I'm talking to my my daughter, <laughs> I turn that up, you know, a couple mm-hmm. notches, yep. which kind of kind of buns me out because that's the only way I get heard mm-hmm. from her. Mm-hmm. But like, I have a daughter from a previous marriage who's 18, and uh, I feel bad for her, and I've told her sorry many times because she was kind of like the guinea pig uh-huh. of my parenting. Yeah, and the way I parented her was what I learned from my parents. So not only did I parent her <laughs> with good things, I parented her with bad things. Sure. And I learned a lot of things that my parents did to me that were bad mm-hmm. that I resented and hated, mm-hmm. but ended up doing to my own daughter. Yeah. So um, I'm always constantly apologizing to her. And, and you know, because um, my parents were spankers, uh-huh. you know. So Kayla got spanked when she was younger, yep. and she got spanked a lot. You know, and in the end, it didn't really change anything. It only had her resent me. Mm-hmm. So with my second marriage and my other kids, I haven't laid one hand on them. Yeah. And they've turned out amazing. And, I, you know, I think that it's the other it's the other reason that we say and, and you know, we were just talking this morning about how we're going to do a, a show called So You're Pregnant. Now what? Yeah, <laughs> because because I always and every time I speak to groups of parents, I'm always like. It is never too early. Like from the time, I mean, I speak a lot about girls. So from the time she is in the womb, here are things you can start thinking about and preparing for. And so often we're sort of just thrown into it and we are doing our best. Our parents did their best. Yeah. But wow, would it ever be amazing if you could do a little more work on the front end so that you'd be happier with, you know, how it ends up rolling out. It takes a long time to learn how to be a parent. And I'm still working on Mm -hmm. that. You know, I've been a parent for 18 years and I still need a lot of work. Yes, we all do. You know, one of the things that Stevie touched on is that analogy that you and I always talk about is the parenting toolbox. Yeah. You know, you don't really look into it until you find out you're going to be a, a father or a mother. And that parenting toolbox is given to us from our parents. Our parents, yeah. And as Steve Pass mentioned, as, yeah, exactly. And as Steve mentioned, uh, the tools that are in there range from all the w- different ways you're going to deal with your kids. Some of them good, some of them bad. And I, and I feel that uh, one of the things I love about doing this show is hopefully... When someone's listening to it, they go, wow, the circle 
of what I didn't like about the way I was raised, whether mm-hmm. it was spanking, whether it was being yelled at. Yep. I can end that right now. And also what Steve said is so true. You know, I've been a father for, you know, 14 years and every day I still have to learn and spend time on it. And I always say to myself, if I have time to, you know, come into work and, and work on music with, you know, the artists, or if I have time to go out to a club at night and write jokes and mm-hmm. do all that, then you know what? I can sit down today. And read an A's book. <laughs> I can sit down today and read Anaya's book, or I can sit down today and figure out what I can do to be to be a better parent. Because yeah. there is this conception, I don't know if it was when we were all raised as kids, um, that it kind of, hey, man, I'm going to have a kid, and I'll, my parents did the best they can, I'll do the best I can, and that's it. Yeah. Or, or, well, my parents did that, and I turned out fine, so I might as well just do exactly <laughs> the same thing. Yeah, yeah. One thing I got to ask you. Each Steve, kid's different, though. Yes. Like Absolutely. I said, you can't treat all your kids the same way. You have to, to kind of figure out their personalities. Yeah. And you have to work with them in that manner. So, so back to my like the beginning in terms of you know talking about how your parents helped you create your own extraordinary. What what have you done? What are you doing to help your kids find their passion or support the passions that they're <clears throat> starting to show that they might have an interest in? I would say what I've done is just kind of influence them with my own life. Mm-hmm. I kind of just show them what I'm about. Yeah. You know, and I and I and if I take notice that they're interested, like if I'm drawing something, they're hey, dad, I, I want to draw. I get the paper out and if I'm painting, hey, dad, I, I want to paint. Right. OK, well, I grab that stuff out and, and let them paint. You know, um, if I'm practicing for a faction show and I'm playing guitar and my son says, hey, dad, I, I want to get a guitar. I've gotten him a guitar. Yeah. You know, so whatever they show interest in, I, I, I kind of support them and, and go with that because you never know what they're going to. You got to you got to give them options. Right. You know, and I've been blessed with all these talents um, that I can that I can, I can give them options. Uh, skateboarding, uh, riding, riding dirt bikes, um, doing art, music. Um, I'm into hot rods and, and bikes and stuff. So they see what I'm about, you know, and I kind of just show them, hey, this is what I do. Are you interested in any of them? And, and they they have taken note and they have uh, participated. You know, I ride dirt bikes with with both my six year old and my eight year old. Nice. I didn't get a dirt bike until I was 35. Wow, really? Yeah. I grew up on dirt bikes. I don't know if you knew that, Joe. Like, grew up. That's like, awesome. In the, my, my dad I wish had, I did. A, had, a, had a business selling Honda dirt yeah. bikes and motorcycles. And That's so awesome. from the time I was like five, I was either on the back of his motorcycle yeah. or on my own dirt bike. So, I didn't know that about you. I don't know. That's Steve great. That's there. amazing. We'll have to go dirt bike riding. I was just sometime. gonna say, you and Steve gotta go dirt bike riding, and I can watch. <laughs> I'll cheer for you as you ride by because I didn't have that as a kid. But you know what I found that parent parenting can be a blessing and a curse because I want to give my kids all these opportunities that I never had, mm-hmm. but then they kind of get spoiled and take things right. for granted. Yep. So it's kind of like there, uh, there's a balance there, you know, and, but then you don't want to deprive them. You don't want to use the attitude like, well, I didn't get that till I was, you know, 35. Yeah. And so you're not getting one. Right. You but know, I gotta <laughs> ask you, but I got to ask you a question though. This is for you and Naya. Cause I, I go through that struggle all the time. You know, the house that the house that I grew up on is totally different than the house that my kids are growing up in. Yeah. You know, we got the swimming pool. We, you know, they have the, um, the the nice neighborhood you know like i i grew up in a you know and even on our show that we talked about with chores from the moment i came home from school i had a lot of work to do and mm-hmm. i gotta say as a father one of the things that i sometimes as a hurdle and, and i mean tell me what you think 
I go with what Steve said. I, I do go down the road. Well, you know what? You know, I didn't have that until I was this age and I didn't get to do that until that age. And then I struggle with like, well, why am, why am I doing that to them when, if they are, you know, maybe interested in, in something that you know, skateboarding or something like, Hey, you know what? All right, I'll get you the gear. And you have the means too. Yeah. I think, I think that, I think the one key piece is that even when we as parents have the means to provide a, an opportunity for our children, like anything, if an individual doesn't have a personal investment, it doesn't ultimately have the same meaning, the same impact, the same, you know, it doesn't stick the same way. And so I think that while, you know, you know, you could say to your, okay, I'll buy, I'll buy you a guitar, but I need a commitment that you're going to, you know, be practicing every day for 30 minutes. Or, you know, how about we split the cost of that guitar if it's something that you really want? Because I know with my girls, if they have to, you know, come up with some of their own cash, they think a little bit harder about it. Absolutely. Right? My, my son was only like seven at that time. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where chores and allowances come in so that True. he's got some cash flow True, uh, but no but I, I think i think so and i see this as a mistake that a lot of parents make is I, i've worked with some really um accomplished adults who have done extraordinarily well whatever that means um and and they've forgotten that part of part of what enabled them to achieve that degree of success was the work ethic that they develop by having to work for things and not just have everything handed to them. And they're, they're denying their children that same, that same opportunity. Well, to admit, you know, um, I, when I was younger, I didn't have to work for my stuff. I, I asked and they gave it to me. So look how I turned out. Yeah. Maybe more extraordinary than I realized. Yeah. You know, it was funny though, is when you were saying, you know, my son wants to play guitar. He wants to do art. I was like, Oh wow. It sounds like what your father used to do for you. You know, yeah. hey, so that one parenting aspect of your father uh, giving you those options to seek those interests you're doing with your kids. Yeah. I, I, you know, like I said, every every kid's different. They all have different person personalities. And so it's like, you know, um, my, ki- my my parents spoiled me, you know, so. I and I turned wanna... out all right. So. <laughs> just well, I just want to spoil. I, I just want to spoil my kids, but, but there not, must have been not in a way where in there. there had to have been something in there because just again, everything I've I've read about you and when Joe was talking about you for the first time, he mentioned this thing about like every time I'd watch TV skate, like he just looks so zen. And I read the same thing in one of the pieces I read about you that one of your coaches, you know, talked about you being zen. And what that means to me is really being in the moment. And I and I and I read I think as part of that same passage that you had said like part of the reason for your longevity, you know, has been just a pure love of, of skateboarding and, and focused on having fun and being in the moment. And I think that we um, we lose sight of that a lot in this city, for sure. It's all about like the outcome as opposed to as opposed to the experience. So how I mean, how does that how, how does that play in? Well, I mean, everything starts with a passion. And if you're passionate about something. Um, you may look into it a little bit further and you may dedicate your time and your effort into it. And I know with hard work and dedication, uh, you can accomplish a lot of things. Um, I think what really helped me, and I always tell people this too, um, fear had a lot to do with where I'm at now Mm -hmm. because I was afraid of women. So women weren't weren't a distraction to me. Oh, interesting. I, I was afraid of drugs. So drugs weren't, you know, a distraction to me. So being afraid of those things uh, helped me focus on what I wanted to to achieve. Right. And I know through the industry and, and through my life and <clears throat> seeing other people come and go, 
uh, within the skateboard industry is um, those two things, drugs, alcohol, women, on a man's side tend to be distractions and of your focus. Mm-hmm. And it can go the same way with a woman if she's if she's interested in being athletic or a musician or something. Right. If a man comes in, yeah. uh, there's going to be drama. Right. So, okay, so that helped me. Okay, and and so so good things to know. I mean, I we could go on a whole tangent about your fear <laughs> of women. I'd, I'm very curious about that. But I was but shy. I, that's what that's ah, where the okay. fear was. Okay. Yeah, because right, very very right shy. now, yeah, right. And, I, and I, just as a guy in the sideline of Steve's life, um, man, it, it never looked like you were afraid of women because there was a lot around you. Well, after I became famous, I didn't need to try to go. After them, they came after me. Right. So there's yeah. no, there's no worry about failure. <laughs> no. or, or being, um, uh, but, but men so, get insecure too. You know what I mean? I, and I, to- <laughs> I totally, I totally get that. What I'm really curious about, you know, again, because I keep, I'm coming at this as, as a parent. How, how have you been able to, or have you been able to, um, begin to instill that idea of like being in the moment, being focused on the now and the experience, and not the outcome, which, which may be success and may be failure. Um, well, I work with my kids a lot, you know, and I try to help them where I see that they're lacking, you know. Um, so that's a balance in itself. I, I have to figure out where I need to step back mm-hmm. and let them learn on their own. Um, I've learned a lot through with my daughter, you know, of trying to, <laughs> trying to help her at every aspect of her life. And, and that, was a, that was a tough road. I mean, at age two, I found out that this is this one's going to be a difficult one. <laughs> I meant we're talking like playing board games and her making up her own rules, and wow. me just me just like Sounds taking like the instructions and going. But babe, <laughs> this is what it says in the instructions. I don't want to play it that way, Dad. And I'd get pissed off and be like, "Okay, we're not playing the game then." Wow, you but, need but to meet my daughter. Yeah. You need to meet Chessa. Yeah, that sounds very. <laughs> well, man, your it, daughter and my daughter would get along great. Yeah. It's still today. From I mean, one, I can't. T- I can't yeah. tell her anything. And I was like, okay, you know what? Yeah. I had, I came to a point like, okay, you know what? You're going to learn things the hard way. I want to help you, and um, maybe one day you'll trust me. And and but you isn't know. that some some of your spirit in, in her? I mean, that was another thing. I think I was in one of the videos. You know, you talking about you know the the connection between skateboarding and punk rock and mm-hmm. and challenging like challenging the system you know bucking authority finding your own path and it sounds like you know by by the time she was 2 she was so, showing clear signs yeah but i'm her i'm her dad i'm like looking <laughs> out for matter. her and i was looking for some like trust and respect mm-hmm. and that's what parents want sure. parents want trust and respect from their kids and kids want admiration and love you know they want to they want to know that they're loved for one and then they want to know, um, what what are my boundaries? I mean, I learned this from a pastor before. He says, kids only want two things from you. They want to know what my boundary is and do you love me? Right. And that's pretty much it. Well, it's interesting. And I think that one of the challenges, and there's all this is there's so many things we could talk about here, but is is as a parent to find that sweet spot between fi- between like the love is a given. That's like the foundation. But then finding a way to set boundaries with enough space for them to discover who they are as individuals and not limit that and not take it personally when they push back against you and be like, yeah, that all sounds good. But I, I want to do it like this. Yeah, that definitely finding that sweet spot is, is definitely hard. I know in my household it is because the one thing I was going to ask Steve and you brought it up was, you know, when you're uh, 
a person like Stevie with uh, the background in skateboarding. And of course in the eighties, it, it really wasn't the sport that it is today. Um, it was, it was, it was very individual. It was, you know, skateboarders weren't looked upon as, you know, heroes. They were looked upon as the kid that was alone and had the, the punk rock friends. And then now, you know, skateboarding's changed and, and it's a sport that parents love and, you know, they got the skateboard parks and all this stuff. Is it hard, Steve? And I go through this sometimes with my kids because they'll watch a video of me in one of the bands or or doing a bit on stage, and they're like, "Dad, you know, you said the f word, and then you do this, and then I'm like, and I try to tell them like, guys, I'm you know, I get paid to say the f word sometimes, you know, like the f words fill the pool up with water, like it's a different, and then and then I feel like such a hypocrite. Have you had those moments, Steve? Where I don't they cuss look- in front of my kids, so I'm, I'm not, not so I'm much not, with cussing. I don't have to go there. <laughs> I don't. I don't mean so much with cussing, but but you know, looking your career and skateboarding, you know, climbing over the fence, skating the backyard pool. Ha, ha, you know, I don't do that anymore. Okay, but they, but they, they have I stopped to have doing knowledge. that. I stopped doing that when I was turned eighteen. Yeah. You know, I stopped, you know, for, doing for the st- record. Yeah. yeah. If anyone's <laughs> listening in San doing, Jose, <laughs> I stopped doing stuff that I could get really in trouble with. But, you know, that all comes with wisdom. Yeah. You know, and, you know, our whole life is is all about learning wise choices. I, I believe that everything that we do, our outcome is based on our choices, you know, and uh, learning to make the right ones. And there's going to be times where, we're going to make mistakes because maybe we followed our own gut and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so I always, you know, now as a parent, as a grandparent, as a father, as a husband, um, I try to make the, the best choices that I can and I try to find uh, the, where I can get the best wisdom, you know, because you know, I may have a feeling that I want to react or say a certain way, mm-hmm. but I, if I know by the truth that I study as a Christian, um, I try not to go against that because I know that that's truth and it works. So I, it, it's a battle. Like you said, you know, hey, I want to do things my way, but then I know that this way works. So I have to pick and choose. Am I going to go by what I feel like doing or am I going to go by what the Word of God says? And, and I, know, I know that's true. I've applied it to my life. I know it works. So it's a constant battle of like, I know what's right, but I want to do this. Well, and on and on that note, that I mean, and, and this and this all connects again to like uh, having our children find their own their own path, their own truth. So I could see that in itself being a struggle when we uh, as adults have our own individual beliefs and our and our children needing to say oh, that might be your truth, Dad. But that's not my truth, at least not yet. I, I got to do some exploring to come. And I know that e- even in your own life that it didn't that what you now say, like, this is my truth. This is what works for me was not. It took you a long time to get there. So will you be able as a parent to give your kids that same space to, like, try different things, explore different different religions, different versions of truth and come to their own? I will not do that because I'm 51 years old and I haven't find I haven't found a better truth than what I follow mm. now. So I'm not going to waste their time. Mm, interesting. Because I would just be like, why would I uh, let them try to find their own truth when I'm following a truth that I know is true for my life? Why am I go like, well, why don't you go out and try to find something I don't know? Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Let's leave that one. <laughs> I think we might need you know to follow yeah, up on another no. show. Yeah, I'd love to do that. I have a question, and, and Anae and I were talking about this, and I was explaining your career. Um, and I always feel, growing up, 
watching you and your career through the magazines and then you know it started out with you know skateboarder mag or action now uh and then for, for thrasher and then you know the bones brigade such a huge such a huge part and and the videos and everything and you know throughout this whole ride you know you and i grew up together in san jose and and our relationship never really changed you know i'd see you in front of you know five thousand people or i'd see you in front of 500 people with your band and you were always the same to me and and I always was like wow like it had ne- I know ne- and I you know you were a famous guy you know you were a famous guy in our town and you were also a person that traveled around the world but whenever I saw you and whether it was you know four people or four thousand you were always treated me the same way which I was like wow that was like it hasn't affected him but what I see now sometimes and I and I wonder through your eyes and I, and, I, and I like a Justin Bieber or these other uh, kids that go through this um, this ride of all over social media, which is similar to what you went through. You know, do, is there a part of you that that you feel their struggle of what they're going through? Like, I man, that I know how that feels when when you do something and maybe people don't like it. And or, how do you survive? How it? do you survive that? Like, because you were one of the, for me, <laughs> you're for me, you're one of the original athletes, one of the original people, and one of the original friends I know that went through that ride. Sure. I, you know, I don't know the Justin Bieber's. I don't know what they're going through, but I'm like, wow, I was thinking about that. Steve really has went through that before anybody went through it, along with all of your other Lance Mountains and the Mike McGill's and the Tony Hawk's. And you guys might all say, you know, it's like looking at each other when you're in a band going, wow, this ride is pretty crazy. You know, the Beatles always used to joke around. Thank God we got each other mm. because they felt sorry for Elvis. He was by himself. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that's so sweet. <laughs> yeah, isn't that? Yeah. yeah. But, but I need to so ask on that note. How, yeah, how was, how, how was, how did you go through that ride? And, and do you see, sometimes how do you feel for the kids that are going through it now whether it's you know music stars or just other athletes what i think with everything in life you have to have a mentor or someone that's going to guide you in in a good way and i think i fell into a good spot when i met stacy peralta Mm. you know and he was my uh coach team manager at the time and you know he picked me out of um a bunch of amateurs out of a contest and said hey i want you to ride for my team and i respected him because he's a pro and and I seen him in magazines and stuff, and he was starting his own company and looked like a pretty professional, clean-cut guy, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, had, his, had his stuff together, you know. So, um, and my parents saw that as well. So we trusted him and said, yeah, we, I, I want to join the team. So I had someone I could look up to and, 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 and follow. He wasn't a womanizer. He wasn't a drunk. He didn't do drugs. Mm-hmm. He was on time. He was very professional. He gave me opportunities to do this and that. And I think because of that, I just looked at that and I said, okay, well, this is what it takes to be a pro. Well, and but but I think also, and to, to Joe's point, and especially here, like we're in LA right now, where there's tons of parents that have either moved here with their kids to make them stars, or they just happen to, you know, they're one of the kids' stars on Disney or whatever, or they're taking them to gymnastics because they want them to be pro. What was it that Stacy did that helped you stay grounded? Because it seemed, I mean, it, you ooze. I'm a grounded individual. <laughs> yeah, he really, kind of does. Really, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I wish I could have a little bit of his groundedness. <laughs> oh, come on, yeah, Joe. just we a, like you up in. The, um, I got to come down. Up I mean, in the class. Yeah, <laughs> looks are deceiving. Uh, let me tell you that. Really? Really? Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean. But but even the fact that Joe said issues. you were the same, you were always this. I mean, he that was. takes a lot because I, I, I mean, have to say one thing. I, there's there, there's never been like you know, even with skateboarding, when I would do a trick. We used to call it, get rid of the apple face because you're doing this, holding your breath. Mm. And then we'd look at pictures of Stevie and he's breathing and he's mm-hmm. upside down. <laughs> and he's I remember, upside. I remember, there, yeah, he was so, 
You know, he was so grand. And then also, just to one second, there's a photo of him that they posted a while ago. He might have even posted it where he, um, it, it was a great quote. It said, you know, in order to get better, you have to know when to bail. Right. And bailing, mm. bailing and skateboarding mm. means you're, you're pushing it to the limit. And there's some skaters, Dwayne Peters, love him to death, never bails. And, you know, he's, his body's a wreck from it, you mm-hmm, know? And, mm-hmm. and I love Dwayne. Steve, in this one photo, he's doing this huge air and you're bailing out. And at one point, he's literally upside down, falling upside down. He's falling. Like, if you just took that shot, you're like, oh, this guy's going to die. <laughs> and even in that photo, his face is like, like it is right here. Like, yeah, what's up? Do you want another coffee? Sure. Sure. So is that, dece- <laughs> is that deceiving? Are you actually, no, no, are no. you scared inside? Are you? Oh, totally. I mean, scare- skateboarding is terrifying. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to really know your limits. And, you know, to be a, a skateboarder, you have to be super tough. You have to mm-hmm. know, know how to take a fall. If you can't take a fall, you know, it's just kind of like being a football player. You know, if you can't take a hit, then you're not going to make the team. You know, um, with skating, it's the same thing. It's super dangerous. So you have to be willing to get up, brush it off, and try to see where you went wrong. And, you know, we everybody goes through bumps and bruises and cuts and scrapes. And we do that on a normal basis, you know. Right. But uh, with skateboarding, depending on what you're doing, you can put yourself in, in life-threatening. Sure situations right you know but but you know like joe said you know at the park we were i was accustomed to wearing my pads all the time Mm -hmm. you know even wrist guards that even when i was pro for two years i still wore wrist guards Mm -hmm. on my wrists you know now when my kids skate they i make them wear wrist guards maybe everybody else at the park's not wearing them they're not wearing their equipment their helmets but i know through my own experience how it protected me and now that i have a longevity in the sport it Mm -hmm. helped me um, stay healthy. I, I I think you know I have no surgeries. Okay, so let's which is amazing. So let's talk about the healthy piece on another level. So let's imagine that one of your kids who you've just said are already skating, they somebody a Stacy discovers them. One of them, either your son or your daughter. You you need to go pro. This kid is amazing. How? What do you tell your son or your daughter to help them stay grounded as a human being? in the face of the same kind of fame and attention that you that you faced? Well, I don't know how they're going to uh, react to it. You know, every, like I said, everybody's different. Everybody reacts to um, attention differently. Mm-hmm. You know, I strive off of it. Mm-hmm. So it helps me want to perform better when I know that I'm doing a, my, the best job and, and you're getting the applause. And mm-hmm. everybody wants to be accepted in this world, sure. you know. And I found from being a shy little boy... Uh, not making the football team, not making the baseball team, not want to be on the soccer team, that I got accepted in a different way. You know, um, like I said, you know, my parents weren't always around, um, you know, um, encouraging me to do this or do that. But I got encouragement through other people, through the things that I learned and what I was able to do on a skateboard that people liked. And I know um, I grew up in a in an era where... Um, competition was really important mm-hmm. because if you if you competed and you did well you got compensated for that right either it was free skate time some ice cream <laughs> the pro shop or you got on the team you know and i knew when i was sponsored when i if i got first in competition that meant a picture in the magazine and i'm like if i do super good i'm gonna get some coverage right. so i tried super hard and you know i'd open the magazine a few months later and see my picture in there i'd be like that that was all worth it it was really cool because I looked, I looked up to the pictures in the magazine of the skaters in there. And I'm like, wow, that's so cool, man. These guys are in magazines and, you know, they're skating this place and that place. And that, that, that drove me. 
so to, I think to success. And I think that we that 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 is magnified right now in our society where so much of our own personal validation comes ex- from the external. So you know, my fear with my own children would ever be that if they become too dependent on a sense of self-worth and validation coming from the outside, that whenever that goes away, they're lost. Well, a true, you- true story. I mean, that just happened to um, a famous BMXer. Yeah. Dave oh, really? Mira. Yeah, super, I mean, super sad story. He just committed suicide Aww. and he was on top of the world, uh, the best BMX you know, freestyle. Amazing rider. Yeah. Legendary. Yeah. He was, uh, and then he got into triathlons and all this stuff. And, and he, exactly what you're talking about, that's what he suffered from. And I had a conversation before he passed with him mm-hmm. months ago about his happiness and about um, his self-worth and yeah. where he was at because he wasn't the number one BMXer guy anymore. Mm-hmm. And he was trying other things like uh, what, triathlons, triathlons yeah. and yeah. You know, and I heard he was trying for the uh, the Iron Man, and but that turned into what you said. It it, it something that was great. Um, it became a curse, and 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 he just that's all he focused on was the self worth of his fans and who he was in the industry, and that would basically drove him to commit suicide. So, do you think so as as a parent that there's something that we can do regardless of what you know what what our kid is doing in the world that that is becoming reliant upon that external validation is there something that worked for you like when i say that you're a grounded human being that what i mean when joe says you were the same whether you know it was just like you were and always also the ride the ride that the ride that you had too steve from you know when vert went away and then you said we built the ramps and then the street skating came in you adapted to that a lot of other yeah. pro skateboarders weren't able to adapt to a skating street and their and their careers uh disappeared um and then when uh when vert came back you were there uh throughout throughout the whole ride of skateboarding you you've had to reinvent yourself numerous times i i think now just from when we sat down the the thing is is that it just seems like it's just been fun for you is it, is it almost life is like fun. a yeah <laughs> i enjoy life i mean i i enjoy it 100 percent. you know um the whole thing about adapting and, and, and being prevalent in the industry, um, I always tell people, I admit to them, you know, because a lot of people will say, like, it's kind of like a bad thing when you say, dude, you're so trendy. You're like a trendy dude, you know? And I always tell people, you know what? I am. I am a trendy dude. I go with the trends, you know? I go with what's going on because I want to be uh, relevant and I want to stay in the industry. So you have to be trendy. You have to follow what's going on if you want to stay in the industry longer than two or three years, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's worked for me. So what people find as something that's bad, I find good in it, you know, and that's what I try to do. I try to, uh, as the wisdom that I've learned over the years that, that people look at things in a bad way, I try to find the good in them, Mm, mm. you know, and so that's what I'm going to try to do and teach my, my kids. Mm -hmm. Um, Going back to your question, um, I have found something, and that's my faith in God, mm-hmm. that's even grounded me even more, mm-hmm. that if all this goes away, um, it's not important to me. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, My relationship with God is the most important thing than my fame, the money, everything that I've accomplished, everything that I, I will accomplish in the future. Um, I'm so happy to that's hear more you important. Say that. That's like more in important. The future, yeah. That there's still a future that you 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 are. Oh, still I'm not done. This as, 
but and I think that's I'm not finished the magic. Yet. I think that's the magic. There's so many people that I hear, and it's like the older they get, the more you. The, well, in my day, what do you mean in your day? Like, is this not your day? Do you not still have yeah. a pulse? Like, I, I really find that um, sad. That I, and I think so many of us do that, where we think that there's a time in our life, in our whatever late teens and early twenties, where that's when we were on, yeah. and then everything else after if that is the somehow best, left. If the best is behind you, then and and there's nothing in front of you that's going to be better than that's that that means you're done creating is i always say to musicians yeah. and songwriters and when we're when they're recording i said hey you know they're because they'll say oh my god the last record we did this like don't worry about the last record your best material has got to be in front of yes, you you yes. know one thing you said the other day steve i remember once we were hanging out and i we were talking about skateboarding and we were kind of reminiscing about this and that about different parks and you said i like skateboarding now more than i than i did mm. then i like where the sport is now i like i oh, i'm having awesome. more fun now i i enjoy where it's at and i was like wow that is the way to look at it because where we are in the world today there's so many different changes there's no time and and i don't want to be one of those people either that that lives in the past of back in my day because if you're talking about back in my day then then what do you have to you're look done. forward to you're done yeah well, I'm a human being, and I have yet to discover my full t- potential in life. Love it. You know, Always and there's growing. so many things in this world that I haven't even tried yet yeah. that I don't even know if I'm good at. You yeah, know? I, I feel like if that if you just put that on a poster in your in your like on your fridge, <laughs> you would tell your kids, you teach your kids everything that they need to know to like be to be present, to constantly be growing, to be striving to try new things in spite of failures, and just living life like that's i can see it like on your face if, if y'all could see him right now um <laughs> but yeah, he has that same this, but he still has that look on his face and they have, Zen, I have, white, Zen, I have white hair i have white hair on my chin <laughs> <laughs> You know what I love about this time, Anea, is I love how much you just discovered Stevie Cavallaro. <laughs> Me too. You, I, that's what I look like 20-something years that's ago. Awesome. That, that, Steve, I can't thank you enough for driving up here and being a part of the show. And you, and you said something that you're not done yet. I know that. And that you you still haven't discovered your full potential because there's things you're going to try. You know what? I have the sneaking suspicion. If you said you're going to be into hand gliding, you're going to be the best hand glider out there. <laughs> if you told me, I just got that feeling. you know. And uh, I love your work words of wisdom appreciate it and um, i can't wait to have you come back again let's do it thank you guys all for listening red parent we'll see you next week